Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My guest today is Nelia Hayward. But before we get to her, I have a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, see stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written, see photos of our guests, see links to all their social media and websites, and see links to our social media, which are Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. We have links to Apple Podcast and Stitcher Radio. We're also on iHeartRadio and Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen. And if you can, say a few nice things and give us a good rating. Helps more people find the show and boosts our presence. I appreciate that if you do that. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Happy holidays, everyone. I recorded this back in November. And by the time this drops, I will be a few days away from heading out at sea again. Yep, three weeks out on the ocean. Back on the ships telling jokes. Little nervous about it. I am gingerly dipping my toe back in the water, so to speak. I didn't take the gig lightly. When it was offered to me, I talked to some other people and some other acts out there that uh, I knew were out there on the ships and had been for a little while to get the vibe and see what's, uh, what's going on. And they said, you know what? There's a lot of testing. Changes have been made. But overall, the ships have to be really, really super careful. And they are. The crew is vaccinated. The passengers are all going to be vaccinated. There's a lot of testing, a lot of distancing. So actually, a ship is, uh, compared to most places, <laughs> a lot more careful. They're super careful because they don't want the bad publicity. They don't need people uh, getting sick on their ships, and they don't want it. So who knows? I might be in the safest place you could be. As someone who's been going to sporting events and concerts and things like that, yes, I've been masked up, but I have been going to places. So we'll see. But it will be good to tell some jokes again and get paid for it. Just going to Mexico, San Diego down to Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan. No place I haven't been before, but we're going to feel it out. And if any of you are going away for the holidays, please be careful. Please be cautious. Please cover your nose and mouth and please wash your hands. And be civil. Please be civil. You think everybody in the airport wants to work there over the holidays or at all? Quite often they don't. Most people would rather not do their jobs if necessary, but people got to work. And it's a weird time, so a little patience, a little kindness goes a long way. Tolerance, everyone. It's a weird time, and we're all dealing with it. Neela Hayward, and I'm going to keep saying her name. It's N-A-I-L-A-H. I said Nela. I got it wrong. It's like Neela. Boy, she'll say it. <laughs> I knew I was going to screw it up. Anyway, she's someone I've seen around town at various travel events, and I've been following her on Instagram. She's at there's so much to see.com. That's her blog site. That's where you can find her on Instagram. There's so much to see. She lives here in LA, originally from Pittsburgh, I found out. But like I said, I've been following her a, a while on Instagram. I've been seeing her around town. And I said, you know what? I'm going to check out her blog. I'm going to follow her. She goes to a lot of places. She's a big fan of Brazil, been there a bunch of times. She studies capoeira, which is a, uh, well, we talk about it, but. It's kind of like a mix between martial arts and dancing that's uh, native of Brazil. She lived in Tokyo for a bit during college to study Japanese. She's been around Southeast Asia and Africa and the Middle East. Why? Because there's so much to see. But I didn't know her, and it was a pleasure getting to know her. Please enjoy my conversation with Nelia Hayward. I'm going to try this. Here we go. Neela Hayward. Good? Perfect. All right. Uh, how often is that mis misspoke? Misspoke? Missaid? 
was said to the point where I almost, it sounds funny if it's said correct, unless it's my mother. Everyone else, I just kind of expect the version. <laughs> so when I get it right, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I think you need a nickname. We got to come up with something fantastic. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, I bet. Growing up, where did you grow up? I grew up mostly outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Lovely. Been there. Have you? Sure. Oh, yeah. I've done, uh, I've done comedy there and I did uh, a shot for HGTV there. Uh, I had friends that were there, and uh, we, I remember when we shot for HGTV there, we were amazed. I was with a crew of four, and they were all from L.A., and then we went out to a nice dinner, and then we went some, found some tavern on the way back to the hotel, mm-hmm. and we said, oh, let's just pop in for a drink, and I ordered a round of drinks for like four drinks, and the entire bill came to like, I don't know, $15 or something, <laughs> and then I went, I said, no, that's for everybody, and he goes like, yeah, that's, I went, oh, this town is great. Then we oh here. <laughs> we yeah we we were so used to LA prices we we're like we can live like kings here in Pittsburgh, but we had a great time there. Pretty city. Yeah, people don't realize that about Pittsburgh. Exactly. Um, it's doesn't have the best reputation overall, I think. But once you get there, <laughs> and it's it's changed a lot. It's growing a lot. I haven't been back in years, so I need to go back and check it out and see what's going on in my old city. What brought you to LA, and when did you come out here? Um, I moved out here in 2002 for six months and you see what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And what was it work that brought you or just like, you were just curious and you said, you know what? There's so much to see. Look at me. I'm working in your website. Look at that already. Placement. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I actually, I, Sometime in, somehow in, in like high school, I fell in love with the idea of L.A. You know, growing up in Pittsburgh, there's no beach, there's no palm trees, and you see it on TV, and it just looked amazing. So I come to, I'd come out to visit, and I'd been working a job that was, didn't really require me to be in any one sp- specific spot. Um, but I had just gotten finished with a, um, an assignment based in London, and I loved that city. So I fell in love with it. I knew I wanted to go back, so I was waiting for my visa to process and needed to go someplace for a few months while that all went through. I'm like, well, you know, I've got some family in LA, I've got a couple of friends, always wanted to live there. Let me go check it out for a few months while I wait for this visa to process, and then, well, there I am. (laughs) What line of work were you in? I, at the time, I was doing consulting, like IT management, consulting, project management, and I still kind of do that, but not as much on the travel consulting side. Okay. Well, let's talk about your blog. Well, I guess, is it a blog? It's a full, full-fledged full uh, website now, like a travel site. What made you start it? And what was the, what was the purpose of it? What, what made you do it? Sure. I, my thing is, I'm not, <laughs> this, this will be interesting for you to find out. I'm not a huge talker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. All right. Well, that was uh, Nayla. Thank you very much. Yeah. Inter- interview's over. <laughs> but no, I'm, I realized I wasn't a big talker. So I'd go on these really beautiful and amazing trips and have the time of my life. But when somebody had asked me how it was, I'm like, well, it was, it was, it was fun. <laughs> but, but I found when I wrote about it, I found more words. It was easier to speak about, to kind of put my thoughts together. So I thought, and a friend had started a blog, this was way back when, and I'm like, you know, I can do that so I can get my thoughts together. And then, you know, wrote one or two blog posts and one or two more. And then I started to see that you know, people do this. So that's kind of how it started. It started off as a whim for like my two friends and my mom, and that was about it. <laughs> Did you have an intention for it? I mean, like a, for a certain audience or was it just, you know, I'm just going to put this out there and see what happens? Basically that. Put this out there, see what happens. In the beginning, I was really only writing on it when I traveled. So if I took three trips a year, there were three or four articles. <laughs> and then I started to realize, oh, you can. I think about travel 24-7, even when I'm at home. So there's more I can write about, more I can share, more I can get out there. So then it started to be a little bit more of a thing. What was your travel background before this? Was, it, was your family, did you travel a lot growing up? Or was it, you know, more of like, no, we just stayed in the area? Yeah, it was more local travels um, in the U.S. You know, go to see grandma and grandpa in, in New York City, um, going to Disney World as a kid. That was amazing, that sort of stuff. And I didn't really leave the country until I um, studied abroad for a semester when I was in college. And I was studying Japanese, so I went to Tokyo for a semester and the the bug hit. But um, I actually, growing up, I didn't travel a lot. 
out to go too far, but my mother always brought culture into the home. And she grew up in New York City. She's like, I was surrounded by people from all over the world, music, food from everywhere. So she liked to expose me to that as a kid, even if I didn't go to those places as a kid. Right. So um, you got me fascinated with Japan now. So what was it about uh, Japanese that made you want to learn it? Was there something about the culture that really spoke to you? Or was it just like at the time, you know, the Japanese, because when I was going through school, like in the 80s, and they're saying, oh, everybody learned Japanese because their economy, you know, they were doing really well. And it's like, we're all going to have to learn Japanese if we want to do business. <laughs> that kind of thing. Now you should probably learn Mandarin. But yes, right. <laughs> it was it was a little bit of that. Um, it was it was a important business language at the time. And I was studying international business. Um, but also, I just wanted to pick a language that I couldn't have learned in high school. So everybody was doing Spanish, French, German and, and Latin were the four options. So, okay, I don't want to do those four because I could do those at home. I'm heading off to a, you know, I went to school in Georgetown in DC and I wanted to pick up on something that I didn't have an opportunity to do before. So I'm like, well, they're saying either Japanese or German was a good business language. And I'm like, well, let's do Japanese. <laughs> that must have been, that's about as far away from Pittsburgh as you can get. So <laughs> what was the big, uh, how was there a big adjustment? Like getting used to it? It, when I went to Japan, um, you know, I think I always go into the mindset of everything's going to be new when I travel. So I'm just kind of ready for it. You jump in and I know I'm going to be looking different than everybody else, talking differently than everybody else, you know, different backgrounds. So I expected that. And it was great. I did um, a homestay with two different Japanese families. So I'm in the homes, I'm eating the food, I'm hearing the language. It, I was still struggling. <laughs> Nobody yeah. picks up Japanese quickly, but um, it was an amazing experience. And the funny story is when I was in Japan, my mother got remarried and moved to a small town in Texas. So when I came back from Japan, I went to Texas and I swear the culture shop shock in Texas was bigger than in, <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> yeah. You have to learn a whole other language down there. You do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you didn't want to stay there and work like after graduation? I thought about it. I started applying like a lot of kids out of college do. They apply for the, the teaching programs there, teach English. And I thought about it. I started that application process. But then I also got a really great um, job offer here in the States and decided, oh, I'll go with making some money and, and furthering my career. I questioned <laughs> that decision, but it was good at the time. <laughs> how, how long, um, let me ask that again. How many times have you been back and do you still speak Japanese? <laughs> um, I went back once in 2012 and loved it. And then like everybody, my COVID travel story, I was heading there in March. Me too. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I heard you mention that in another podcast. Yeah. That was the one I canceled. I had a whole thing worked out. I was going to go to the, uh, uh, want to see the cherry blossoms yep. and the, uh, I was going to try to go skiing up North. And then maybe catch a baseball game. I've only been to, I've been to Japan once and it's been like 15 years. So I went to uh, Tokyo and Kyoto and that was it. So I want to see a little more. But yeah, yeah I canceled it. And now I postponed it to next March. Okay. And I don't know if that's going to happen now. They're still not really opened up. It's, it's hit or miss. I, I don't know many, too many people who have gone, um, even folks who are from there. But yeah, I was holding on to the bitter end. Even at like my, I was talking to my friends in Japan. They're like, "No, don't come. It's nothing's going on. Everything's shut down." Like, no, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, had to face reality. <laughs> Have you taken any uh, post-COVID trips? I took a uh, during COVID trip, which was amazing. I ended up going on a trip to French Polynesia in 2020. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Wow. In, uh, was it like Bora Bora and Moria and all that place? Yes, yes. We flew into uh, Tahiti and then got, we spent basically a week on a catamaran and went around a couple of different islands. And that was, it kind of made up for the other trip that I had to cancel. That was a beautiful, a beautiful experience and a great way to travel during COVID when you were trying to stay a little bit isolated. Was this with, with friends or, or would you go solo? Yes, this one I went with friends. It was a, a friend's birthday, and uh, her husband put together a great trip. And I said, "Let's do it. I'm there." So Those are good friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you a water person, or do you dive or snorkel or anything? 
I do. I do both. Um, although my diving skills are probably a little rusty. I'm sure I could use a refresher, but I did at one point get my advanced certification in scuba and snorkel. Um, I don't spend as much time in the water as I should, especially given that I live in California, but I do like it. And it was great being on a boat for a week. Well, LA water is a little different than Tahiti water. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Ever so slightly. <laughs> <laughs> so what is their situation in those islands? You know, because they've, a lot of them are very worried because, you know, they have like one hospital and if all the beds fill up, I mean, that's it. So were they, um, hit hard there or how were they handling it? I think I went, I want to say it was September of last year and, you know, they were definitely cautious, like everywhere else that you could fly, you had to have negative COVID tests. This is, you know, before any vaccinations were uh, available. Um, so it was really just, you had to prevent, prove that you had a negative test case, but it's also, is that, that um, the debate between do we bring people because we need people to help with our tourism, which is our major part of our economy. But if we bring people, they could bring in more of the disease, but um, it seemed like things were pretty well done there. It was, you know, everybody's outdoors. It's constant fresh air. People did wear masks, even on the small islands, you see people wearing masks and asking you to wear masks. Um, and, but then not long after I got back, I don't remember the date, they did shut down their borders again. So I don't know if it started to get bad or if they just were thinking it might. So it had been opened, closed again, but I believe now it's open again. You just got it in there. It was perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we're going to talk about the thing on your website that is not usual for travel sites. And that's your uh, Brazilian uh, capoeira. Yes. Did I say that right? You did, yes. So it's like, if to describe it to people, I guess it, it's like a combination of martial arts and dance. Is it? Exactly. It's a Afro-Brazilian martial arts, a couple of hundred years old. And, um, you know, like so many things that come out of Brazil and African traditions, a lot of it is storytelling based. So it's hard to say what started on this date with this person, but um, it did come out of the African traditions from the, the enslaved people who were brought to Brazil. And it is a mix of, you know, of kicks takedowns, acrobatics, music, um, everything, language, culture. So it's something that I picked up in my travels and yeah. Do you use it more of a workout or do people actually fight with it? Yes, you can. It's, it's, um, it's a conversation. So, you know, sometimes you're in a conversation with somebody and it's completely pleasant and you're nice at ease and you're having fun and you're laughing. Sometimes you get in an argument and you're, and it's a conversation that's a little more heated so the games, we call it a game, Keep it a, it's a little more lighthearted in that, that language, but it still can become, you know, heavy kicks, dangerous. People walk out with bruises. I, I had a broken leg. Uh, a broken leg? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my God. Did somebody kick you or you landed wrong? Uh, a little of both, uh, kind of a, a landed wrong from a takedown. But, um, you know, I was, I was determined that I, did not, I had not broken my leg for two weeks. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> was that here or on the road somewhere? Funny, I had just gotten back from a, a like a six month trip on the road. I just gotten back to LA, and it happened here. Whoa, God! Welcome home. <laughs> right, at least I could rest on my couch. A six month trip away. So, I mean, are you still working during this whole time? You can work remotely. That trip, no. Um, I was working at a job that I didn't love at the time, and I just needed some time away. I was craving the travel, as travelers do. And I asked for a leave of absence, and I was denied. So I said, okay, I got to go. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so taking I, my own leave of absence. I'm taking a leave. It's kind of permanent. So <laughs> I, I left the job, so I didn't have to um, worry about logging in, being part of, you know, being at an office or anything like that. That's great. So where, for six months, uh, what year was this? This was 2012. Okay. So you got six months. You're kicking it around. Where do you do you make out a whole plan, or you just kind of like I'm going to start at this one place, and wherever the wind takes me, I'm going to do that. No, I had a bit of a plan because it was you know six months is a good amount of time. Yeah, but you also have an idea because you can look up and next thing you've been sitting on the same Thai island for <laughs> three four right. months. Um, but no, I started in Asia. That was my first trip. That trip back to Japan. I started in Tokyo during cherry blossom season because I wanted to see that again. Mm. And in you know, Korea, then I went down to Australia for a few weeks um, and then headed a little bit in the Middle East. I'm a huge fan of Beirut and Lebanon. So I realize I'm actually wearing my Beirut City shirt today. Um, <laughs> but I was there for about, that's where I spent the most amount of time, probably about a month and a half, two months, and then hit up Europe. Um, and then I I've only, I've been, only to been to Israel. 
Uh-huh. I've never been to, um, well, I went to Petra in Jordan, but I've never been to Beirut and I heard amazing things about it, although they're having a, kind of a rough time right now. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about Lebanon made you love it so much? I, um, I think like so many places, I went in with very little expectation. I, I didn't know much about it. Um, I had a friend who I actually met through Capoeira and he said, oh yeah, my family and I, I live in Lebanon. You should come visit one day. And anybody who knows me, if you make that offer, I am probably taking you up on it. <laughs> so, I would say that to people. I was like, if, you, if you're asking, I'm warning you now, I'm the guy that shows up. I have a passport. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went for that trip was about a week and a half, two weeks. And I just, it was amazing. The vibrancy in Beirut, people are so friendly and welcoming you into their homes. It's big enough to see there's always something going on, but it's small enough that by the second week in there, I knew everybody, in the, like I knew people in the bars and in the streets and people were waving and they knew me. So it was like, you felt like you were kind of all of a sudden enveloped in this community and I loved the mix of um, Arabic culture, of French culture, of, you know, you, you could go and you're, you hear people speaking French, English, and Arabic within the same sentence. And it's like, what the, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> the food. And then like Lebanon is small enough that you can get to a lot of the country with, you know, a couple of hours in a car and you're in mountains one minute, you're by the seashore the next minute. I just, I, I don't know. I just, it just got in my soul and I loved it. Was it easy to get to? I mean, now it's difficult, but I mean, at the time, I mean, is there any kind of special visa or anything like that? Or you can just, you can just get right in. I just took a flight from here to uh, Paris and then Paris into, into Beirut. And um, I, there was no special visa that you write in. Is there a thing? Um, Cause some of those countries there where if you have like a Israeli stamp on your passport, they're not going to let you in. Uh, so I went to Israel, but as after my um, after my Lebanon trips, and I you know kind of didn't get my passport stamped when I was there because that would definitely have an issue. They they knew I was coming and had been in Lebanon, and I definitely got questioned a lot more and in, in the airport in Tel Aviv, definitely had more headaches than other folks. Um, but you know, I got it. Yeah, and especially when you're traveling solo, that's what I went solo and just like. You stick out, you know, it just like they, they'll pull you out of the line. They pulled me out. Yeah. You know, are you with a group? No. <laughs> okay. Who are you visiting? And then, yeah, it was, it was, it was hardcore. And I, my, my name is actually Arabic. So that's a red flag there. Right. Then I have the passport stamps and, and uh, from, from Lebanon and you're traveling alone. Yeah. All of that. And there was like, okay, we're going to have a couple more questions and check your luggage a little extra. Yeah. Have you ever had any run-ins with say uh, cops or border police or anything else uh, around the world? Uh, nothing too stressful. Um, you know, there's always those like nervous bits at some of the borders. I remember when we were, we drove from, um, the UAE into Oman and you have to drive into this, like you drive up, it's hot as anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to go in and you hand them your passport and they look at it real funny. I, myself, my other friend were American, you know, obviously American, they're looking at it and they go in the back and they take it and they're gone for like 20 minutes and you're like, what just happened? And they come back out with your passport and you go on. But it's that <laughs> nervousness of what, because you don't speak the language, they're talking and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. So you never had to pass any bribes anywhere? Never had to pass a bribe. Ooh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> How about like uh, illnesses or any kind of injuries abroad? Uh, I mean, you broke your leg here, but you ever had like from food poisoning or dengue fever or anything like that? I got to say, I am pretty lucky in that respect in that I don't really, and you know, touch wood, get sick very much. Like even back at home, I, I never get cold, flu. I never take sick days. So even when I'm traveling, and I'll admit I am not the most adventurous eater. I I try things, of course. I'll try new things, but I'm not going to be eating the crazy, you know, you know, lo- locust on a stick type thing. So <laughs> I stay away, stay away from that. But luckily, I've been pretty good about being able to stay safe, staying out of hospitals because that is not something I want to have to do. No. How about um, any kind of accidents or any kind of like? Um, I don't know, scary flights. How about flights or any kind of like, what's your worst flight experience? 
I'm going to say, you know, I've had good flights. I actually am one of those people that kind of likes turbulence. Like, not, of course, not the crazy kind where your <laughs> things are flying, but I like kind of bumpy flights a little bit. But if I had to think of like difficult transportation stories, um, one that comes to mind is we were driving, and I can't remember what cities we were in, but in Laos, in Laos, and you're taking a bus from one city to the next. And I remember someone had warned us, you know, get there early, get yourself a seat, it'll be good. And for some reason, my, my friend I was with was not feeling well. So we just got to the bus at the very last minute because she was just trying to stay in the bed and stay asleep as long as possible. So by the time we got there, all the seats were taken and they have a little tiny plastic chairs like you see like in a kindergarten classroom and they line those up in the middle. And I'm, I'm not a little person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost 5'10". I'm, you know athletic so i was sitting in this little plastic chair and every time the bus would turn <laughs> your the, the chair would buckle you go falling into the lap of the person next to you you're low so you can't see anything and that was and it was probably about five six hour bus trip that was never have to do that again in my life. oh that's awful yeah i took the uh overnight bus in vietnam down mm-hmm. the coast i don't know if you ever did one of those sleeper buses but uh they are not built for uh American man, <laughs> let's just say <laughs> I was there was like a little tiny leg room area, and you see you look over and people are like sprawled out, like laying flat. And I'm just jammed up in this little thing. It was the longest night of my life. You yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, some things are just not built for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a favorite aside from Japan? Did you have a favorite country in Asia that really blew you away that you loved? God, I really liked so much of Asia. Um, Thailand's amazing. It's, you know, it's one of those places where you can travel and get whatever it is you want. You can get budget, you can get luxury, you can get mountain, you can get sea, you know, everything, whatever vice or whatever you need, you can find it in Thailand. And the food is amazing. So yeah, I really like Thailand and Laos too. It has been so many years since I've been there, but if I could go back, I definitely would. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite places. It's always up there on my list. Where haven't you been that you're dying to go to? What are your bucket list places? Um, I, for some reason, really want to see Sri Lanka. Yeah. Been. So I really want to do that. And my one of my other top places I'm excited because I just booked a ticket to is Colombia. I've never been. Oh, really? That was my last uh, time I was out of the country, the January of 2020. Oh, I spent a week in uh, Medellin, uh, Medellin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, it was it was great. It? Yeah, I did. I did. It was a really cool city and uh, would like to see more. It's a big country. You know, mm. it's pretty, pretty good size. But uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's in the mountains and the weather's great. And the history of it is pretty, pretty wild, as you can imagine. <laughs> I didn't get to the sea at Cartagena, but uh, I'd like to see that. And I would go back for sure. And it's not too bad. It's like a three hour a three, four hour flight from, from Miami, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's not crazy far, you know, so it's, it's pretty easy. I think you'd like it. I'm going to spend about three weeks. I'm going to base myself in Medellin, but hopefully take a a side trip on the weekends or, um, you get to see some other parts of the country a little bit, but I thought, you know, I've got this opportunity. My company doesn't have us sitting in an office right now, and I don't know how much longer this work from home is going to last. So, <laughs> might as well take advantage of it. <laughs> How's your Spanish? That's the problem. Ah, well, <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting mix of probably ten percent Spanish, and then the rest English and my and Portuguese from traveling in Brazil. So, oh, right. We'll okay. Uh, how many times have you been to Brazil? I've been ten times. Oh my God. Okay. So I've only been once and I was only really in Rio and Buzios, but on my bucket, on my bucket list is to go up North to, to like, you know, the, uh, uh, Salvador Bahia area, the more African influenced stuff up there, uh, up in the Northern part. And, uh, it just looks fascinating and it's so huge. Um, give me some tips of the best places to go. And also, why you like it so much. Do you have family there or anything? I don't. I don't. That's kind of, it goes back to some of those early days with my mom as a little kid. She loved Brazilian bossa nova music. So she'd always be playing it as a, as a kid. And I, you know, I'm like, what is this stuff we're listening to? I don't understand the words. I don't <laughs> get it. This is not what's on the radio. My friends don't listen to this, but um, I, it was kind of, it was always in my subconscious, I think. And then I knew she loved it. And so when she turned uh, 50, 
I took her on a surprise trip and we went to Brazil. It was like super quick trip, just a couple of days. <laughs> and like, I wanted her to be able to see this place that she always dreamed about. Um, so that was kind of our little intro there. just went to Rio. Um, but yeah, I've traveled up north. I have been to, uh, to Salvador. I spent a few, um, I think the longest amount of time, I spent about six to eight weeks in Fortaleza. A lot of my trips um, have been around Capoeira as well. So either to train or um, teach or, or kind of uh, immerse myself in the culture there. But yeah, the Northeast, it's, you know, Brazil is like America. You can travel to one part and go to another and be in completely different locations. The language sounds different. The foods are different. <laughs> the people look different. Um, but yes, I would 100% say, please go up to uh, check out uh, Salvador de Bahia, um, wander around, eat the foods. Uh, you know, it's it's just such a vibrant, colorful part of the country. Um, there's some beautiful beaches up there. Uh, I went to Jericoquaya, which is a little bit harder to get to. It's a it's a trek, um, but it's just beautiful sand dune beaches. You're out there and just it's it's really beautiful and peaceful and a great place to get away. Um, and yeah, I, I just think if you can get near the water and get some, near some good seafood up there, you will be fine. And of course, you have to take a capoeira class. So. Okay, right. Yeah, it's the it's the the home base, the motherland for Capoeira. Yeah. Did did um, I haven't been to Sao Paulo, mm-hmm. but uh, it just seems, I'm sure it's fascinating, but it's pretty intimidating though, just the sheer size of it. Yeah. What were your thoughts of it? Have you been? I've been twice, and I really only went because I had a friend who lived there. And it was great to be able to be with someone who knows where they're going, who has a car, knows how to get around, and you know shows you the, the inside scoop. So it was great. I would imagine it would be difficult to uh, to navigate not having any sense of what's going on there. Um, if you have a purpose, I would go, or if you have a friend or family, I would go. But I think it'd be it would be a lot to try and get around because it's right. so, so much traffic and so <laughs> so much. It's the same thing, you know, I kind of, I loved Rio. I mean, it was my first experience in Brazil. Um, but I don't need, know if I need to go back. Isn't that weird? It's just like, there's so much else I want to see. There's so much to see. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. There is so much to see. Um, what are your thoughts on Rio? I mean, I, I'm like split on it. Yeah, I I love it. it. It's, you know, beautiful. The beaches are great. Um, the, the vibe there is wonderful. It depends like what time of year you go, if you're going during carnival, if you're going more in the winter. But um, I find that if the weather's not good, I don't know what to do with myself because <laughs> there's not like you can do so much outside with hiking, beautiful gardens. I'm, of course, going to the beach. But when it starts getting rainy, I feel like I'm there's a couple of museums that are definitely worth seeing this beautiful old library in the downtown area, which I'm completely forgetting the name of, but otherwise it's kind of malls. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I definitely enjoy it. Oh, sure. Sure. I know the most people. So. Yeah. I mean, how's your Samba? Uh, I mean, not bad for a gringa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, that's what you consider yourself a gringa. <laughs> I do until I can until I can speak the language fluently enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been there for Mardi Gras? I I have not in Rio. I was in some smaller areas. Um, we did one in in Salvador de Bahia, which was crazy. Um, like in Rio, they have the car, the parades, which you go and you sit and you watch with the feathers and the um, yeah. the bands and the huge trucks. So um, the the floats and. Salvador de Bahia, you're in the parade. You buy a t-shirt, uh, like a little uniform, you buy a shirt, it makes you part of a particular bloco. So you're traveling with these huge trucks with these speakers, with this just amazing music. DJs are on there and you go down the parade route with that truck, you're, a little, you're in a little, um, they have like a rope around it. And I've been years ago, so I don't know if it's changed, but <laughs> you're just dancing in the street. So you are the parade in, in Bahia. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Probably something I would have loved uh, younger, <laughs> now I'm like, ah, I can do that once, and then uh, maybe that might be enough. Yeah. Uh, is there a place that you've been that you like would never go back to, or be like, you know, if I never make it back there, I'm okay with it? Like you just had a bad experience or something? Um, I hate to say that of any place because you can always go back and have a different experience. But right. if I don't go back to Djibouti, I'll probably be okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I need to know the story. What happened? <laughs> nothing happened. I think that was the thing. Like there was just, we, 
I, I was, I it was actually one of the very first blog posts I ever wrote on my site. And, and we, this is one of the first places I actively tried to leave early because there's just nothing going on. And it was pretty expensive for not a lot there. And then there, there are like three major things that you do. And I can't, they, one is like the lowest point on earth, I think, or at least maybe in the continent of Africa, another place where they filmed something. And you couldn't do any of them because the time of year they're there, it was just too hot. They're like, oh, we're not going out there now. So I'm like, okay, so we'll just stay here in the city. And you can only look at so many African markets before you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm <laughs> running out of things. <laughs> <laughs> so are you like, uh, you like to do, you said you're athletic and obviously you do, you know, capoeira and everything else. So are you, is that when you go to a new place, is that the kind of thing you like to do? Like, athletic endeavor let's go hiking let's go to the ocean let's go this and just staying active or are you like i don't see you as just that much of a museum gal just <laughs> having tea all day i am equal opportunity active and relaxed i will happily go for you know a, a walk throughout the city and hike and then come back and get a nice spa massage and have a high tea like i or <laughs> I'm, I'm good with <laughs> all of those things. And I, yeah, I do. I like, when I'm in the cities, there are some amazing museums I love, um, some favorites that I love to go back to. Um, but I always do, uh, you know, look for active things to do as well. Um, if there's, you can find Capoeira pretty much anywhere in the world. So I will almost always go and try and connect and find a class because not only am I getting a workout and getting a class in, but you also connect with people. You know, you go to class and you go out and have a drink or you're staying in someone's home and come, come stay with me, that sort of thing. So you get a look at the local culture because you're automatically connecting with somebody um, over a common bond. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but that's a great way to meet people. Mm -hmm. It is. It that's does. awesome. So yeah. when you started the blog and now that it's grown and, and so where do you see it going and what is your goal for it? Are you doing like media trips and stuff? That's a really good question. Um, I've always struggled between my nine to five and the the blog, right? So um, I have the nine to five and I, I'm not unique. There are tons of people who do uh, you know, blog writing, content creation, Instagrams um, and, and have a full-time job. So I'm just trying to find a way to balance that best. But the goal is to grow my presence so that I can do more and share more because I just really love to get out there and speak about travel. And every time I, I talk to a lot of people who are often who travel a lot and you feel like you're not that special. You're like, everybody travels all the time. But then when you talk to folks who don't travel as much, you're feeling a little bit nervous. You're like, oh, wow, I really can help people get over a fear of traveling or getting over a fear of a particular place or a, a style of doing things. So I've kind of refocused and writing a little bit more now on solo female travel and this the solo travel splurge, which talks about if you're on the road by yourself, some people love to travel by themselves, some hate it, some are scared to death of it, but there's a good chance you're going to have to at some point. So let's look at ways to make that a pleasant experience. You know, you don't have to feel like you're alone and by yourself if you're taking time to enjoy a museum that is your favorite type of artwork or eat a delicious dessert in a Parisian bakery. You know, just how can you how can you make that experience as awesome as possible? Right. When you write something, are you do you have a specific audience in mind or one that you're going for? You say is it more of like uh, females or um, solo traveler or is it just kind of like this is this is how I'm feeling and put it out there and whether you relate to it or not, or are you kind of like going for a certain type of audience? I'm narrowing it down. I think when I first started, it was like, I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. And if it sounds interesting to you, great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do want to pull up the experiences and what I, the people that I speak to are often uh, female travelers, solo travelers, um, people of color. So that's kind of, those are my, that's my audience. That's who I speak to most. And if, if folks who don't fall in those categories can pick up on some of the tips and ideas, even better, even right. better. Well, when you look at the travel industry and blogging and um, influencers and stuff like that, you know, when you, like you were saying, there's not a lot of uh, people of color in it. And were you conscious of that when you were starting this? Or was it just like, maybe this is a niche that's something I can work with and focus on? Or was it just like, well... It just so happens <laughs> yeah. that I'm going to fill that void or whatever. Or, and why aren't there more, you think? Yeah, I think you'd be surprised. There actually are a lot out there. You may not get the, um, the spotlight as often. And I think that's changing over the last you know, recent years. But I, I can look up and scroll through my Instagram feed and you know, 
oh, I know my friend here, my friend there, um, you know, Latino, uh, Latino uh, writers, black writers, um, African from uh, different countries in Africa, Southeast Asian, a little bit of everything. So I'm finding there's more out there, the more I kind of look, and I think that that content is there to be had. But um, I think, yeah, really, I just really started speaking in my voice and I, my experiences as a black woman. So I think that kind of how it translated, but it wasn't that I was going only to speak to that, that audience. But uh, I think that's kind of how it came up. Do you find that there is a, a hesitation amongst, say, African-Americans to travel abroad for like a fear of maybe how they're going to be treated or anything like that, that maybe, you know, other groups don't find? Is that a hurdle to get past or is that not there? Um, I would say the younger generation, um, not as much. I, I think people are a little bit, don't, don't care. I don't want to curse on your podcast. You can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> they don't, they don't give a fuck. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't like me because I have a certain skin color or I speak it to a certain way. You know, I'm, I'm here appreciating your culture and your country. And if I'm acting, you know, respectfully and taking in, I, you know, Hey, have your issues. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, sometimes that, that, takes it up a notch and it comes into a question of safety and of course that's something that goes beyond but just your basic you know saying a name or maybe you know asking you certain questions when you're going to a store you know what i don't have time for that yeah <laughs> i do want to see the world i mean but how have you run in into this personally uh, traveling on your own especially like saying oh why am i getting pulled out of line when nobody else is and why am I getting talked to by, you know, whatever the hotel security and nobody else is, or, I mean, is, is that a real thing that's happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it has, um, luckily not often, but it has, um, also you find in some countries you travel, if you're a, a black woman, they think maybe you're not there just for tourism. Maybe you're there for other purposes, which I'm really just there to check out the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've had kind of untoward uh, advances where I had to, you know, kind of shut that down. I'm like, no, really, I'm not here to, to be your one night girlfriend. <laughs> this is not why I'm here. Um, I, I was trying to think of a specific example, you know, just kind of spoken to uh, a little bit disrespectfully or kind of, you know, questions. I don't mind questions. Like, I don't mind, uh, hey, can I touch your hair? Like, simple that bothers people. Eh, you know what? You know, if I'm in a country where I'm very different, I understand that you're curious about me. I get that. Um, I was traveling through um, Azerbaijan while I was in Baku and the I was we were stopped every yeah you must have been a pretty big I was going to ask you about Eastern Europe I mean you must have been a pretty big celebrity while <laughs> you went there it was like kind of it was kind of like oh, that's kind of cool but yeah I am in so many random pictures <laughs> yeah like, what are you doing with this picture so I'm like I'm trying to picture this person going home and showing this picture like what what is the conversation you're having like look I, I met a black person <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> but uh but it's fun like that's how you meet people so i just started turning the tables if people asked me to be in their pictures i'd be like yeah but i want you to be in my picture too you know so you, we can exchange that <laughs> yeah i was i've told this before on here i got that in vietnam you know just me oh. just walking around and and people wanted to have a photo with me and i was like you can show this to whoever here's, here's my american white guy friend look at that <laughs> like I, I don't know you and and just the women we had some you know I, I remember traveling through india with some uh blonde women in our group and they're just yeah touching their hair having them hold their baby yes it was, it's the weirdest thing i i don't know i i guess there's fascination there but but yeah. also also uh in japan though you know i would see things books or things in stores or dolls that made me go Oof. oh yeah Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, and uh, I, it made me squirm a little bit. They're like, oh, I don't know how, do you, that must have been awkward for you, like running face in, face first into that. Yes, definitely saw some stuff in Japan. Um, even in, I was in Barcelona a couple of years ago, and I'm like, is that what you're using for advertisements? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but you're, you got to kind of take that. You're a visitor in a country, so you can't just automatically tell them what you're doing is wrong, but I know how it makes me feel. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. And if I'm passing through for a day, I'm probably not going to make, take much, do much about that. But if I'm there for a while, I have a say and I'm part of that culture. Yeah. That's it's, it's part of education and sharing. And um, I may not change someone's mind, but then again, I might. Did it ever um, come up in Japan when you were there? Um, 
Less than I thought it would, honestly. Um, I never had anybody really mistreat me in any way, uh, directly to my face, say anything. Um, but yeah, seeing some of like the caricature dolls that you would ex- have expected to see here like a hundred years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Still, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure you can find that in pockets of the U.S. too. I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but yes, and then there's, and there's also just the fascination of, you know, oh, oh black culture and, and rap, and we love it. You know, like oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they're showing you photos of Will Smith, and they're like, do you know him? Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>, of course. <laughs> the Fresh Prince, do you know him? Of course, <laughs> of course we do. Yes. My I would wouldn't. you live abroad? I mean, is that a plan for you someday? I would. I've lived abroad, um, you know, for a few months at a time here and there. Um, I lived in Paris for a little while, lived in Tokyo for a little while, spent some time in, um, in Beirut. I would. Um, I always say there's really no place else in the U.S. I'm dying to live, but I would definitely go abroad. Like, I I just love London. And yeah, if I had more money, I'd probably That's do the thing. That's the money and the weather is what's getting me. I think I've been spoiled in California by seeing the sun too much. Yeah. And I love London. You know, I'll go there anytime. But uh, I think that would get to me after a while. It is dreary, man. And it's expensive. It's expensive. It's so expensive. It's dreary. But it's the vibrancy in that city that I would love. And yeah. I still have fantasies of one day being fluent in another language. So I can imagine that's only going to happen if I live someplace else. I see you on a beach in Brazil. I could, I, I can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Finally get my Portuguese back on, uh, uh, on track. <laughs> well, I got to remember to, uh, uh, oh, I wanted to get you to say some, some Japan tips for us because everybody goes to the, the big spots like I did to Kyoto and mm-hmm. places like that. Is there, a, is there a place that maybe that's not on our radar that you love and they're like, no, you should see this place? Um, let me think. Uh, most of my experience were in Kyoto, uh, Tokyo. I really liked Osaka. It's another big city, but it's not always on the on the the, the, the trail for folks once they go to Japan. Um, also, you can take side trips from Tokyo within an hour and like be within nature. Um, I forget where the name uh, is. It Kamakura, where the large Buddha statue is, and it's just very peaceful out there. You know, you're walking through beautiful um, paths through bamboo forests and 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 nature these gorgeous i'm a for some reason i love cemeteries so you walk through these old buddhist cemeteries and it yeah i just found it really nice and it was you don't have to go far far away you can take a, a train trip from uh, tokyo for the day right where do you see like i don't know travel heading uh right now after pandemic i mean we're still going through it and it still could surge again right. but has this changed the way you look at travel? I mean, has it, or do you think the travel patterns, people say, oh, they're going to like have a more converse, uh, conservation kind of bent or maybe slower travel? I mean, has it affected you in a way? Um, it definitely makes me miss travel more. <laughs> so well, sure. Yeah. Plans in the back of my head. But in terms of the way I travel, I think I'm going to still be doing a lot of the similar um, trips where, where I can get away for a longer period of time. I will. I think one of the things that's changed and is hopefully going to be affecting and allowing people to travel longer and further is the work from home or working remotely. Fewer and fewer people are being stuck in an office where they have to wait for a one week, you know, vacation spree where they can fit it all in and go. You can take longer. You can move abroad. You can go abroad for a month. You can go, you know, to even even if you want to stay within the U.S. and visit another place and settle there. And when you're in a place for more than a few days, it's you start to attach yourself to it in a different way. You it starts to not just be that place you're kind of seeing from a, a tour bus window or you know just the major sites like you know the local bakery. You know the the guy's going to deliver the newspaper or something like that. And and I think that really ingratiates people to a culture in a way that, uh, you know, quick trip does. How do you think, uh, travel has changed you as a person and all the things you've seen? Because we know there's so much to see, (laughs) Um, so much to see. Um, how has it changed your views on people and maybe yourself and the way you look at the world? How has it affected you? I think for the way it's affected me is it's just given me the confidence to know that I, I can do this. I can get, you know, get on a bus in Djibouti. I can con- converse with somebody in 
in Azerbaijan, even though I don't speak the language and they don't speak English, I can make myself understood. I can figure out a timetable on a random bus in a dusty road somewhere. So just that confidence and being able to be anywhere in the world and enjoy it, I think that's something that's brought to me. Um, in terms of people and, or I guess how, I've, how my vision of the world has changed, it's just that we, um, I think it's that people are all, you can have this, and I don't want this to sound negative, but you can have this vision of like, oh, this world is this kumbaya place where everybody's wonderful and cultural and everything's perfect. And you know, no, no, you're going to go to places where they're, you know, have racist dolls in the window and you're going to go someplace where, um, you know, maybe they're not treating the lower class as well as they should be. But at the same time, you're also seeing all the beauty in the place. So it's just kind of levels. You know, it's, it's, you're going to find good and bad everywhere. It doesn't mean that any one country or any one city or any one culture is better. You have your ups, you have your downs, and we all kind of make it work. And that's what keeps me going because I'm learning every time I go from the people I meet. And I'm not maybe learning a, a particular, you know, word in another language or something like that, but I'm taking these experiences that are that are building me and I think I'm bringing to them experiences that are hopefully impacting their lives as well. Well, that's great. Well, now you can get in your plugs for your social media <laughs> and your sites. Where can yeah. people find you? It's there's so much to see.com, right? There's so much to see.com exactly. Um, there's so much to see on Instagram. That's where I play the most mostly is my website and Instagram. I have a Twitter account, but I probably post on there every once in a while. <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah, so those are the best places to find me. I've got a Facebook page as well under there's so much to see. And um, yeah. Are you more about, um, I know you, you still love the writing, but mm-hmm. are you more about photos or are you into video? A bit or is it more photos? I'm more into photos right now. I'm trying to convince myself to to get in, in more into video. That confidence that I develop when I travel, I'm trying to use that to not be afraid to get in front of the camera. Um, but <laughs> You're so I'm, not LA, Dila. Come on. You know. <laughs> I'm like, really, trust me, I have no agenda trying to get in any any movies. <laughs> I'm just here because I like it. <laughs> um, but I, and I also, if Santa's nice to me, I would love to also start looking into droning as well. So Oh, nice. Let's see. That'd be beautiful. Um, so when's your next trip? Next trip is Medellin, heading there in a couple of weeks at the end of the month. Like, so awesome. Excited. Awesome. For for a month, you said? Uh, about three weeks. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. I got a, another friend on here who owns a brew pub down there. Oh. And uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. You should meet him. Is he American? Uh, or, or? Yeah, yeah. He was, I climbed Kilimanjaro with him. He was a guest of the show. Darby Butts, and uh, he lived down at the South Pole for a year. Oh, wow. And we talked about that. Yeah, he was on last year, um, after, right before the, uh, <laughs> the world stopped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he was the last guy I saw down there. But he's been living down there for a couple of years, and he started a gastro pub and brewery, a, a microbrewery, and, and uh, it's great. Oh, yes, so I'll you. hook you guys up. That'll be great. Thank you. This has been great. It was been, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, I'm really glad you reached out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's Neela Hayward, everyone. Did I say it right, Neela? You sure did. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye.